Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where books and writing topics are center stage and where authors give voice to the written words. Charlotte Readers Podcast Beyond 300 is about you, the listener. We want your feedback, opinions, recommendations, and questions. Email us or leave us a voice message and you might hear us mention you or play your message on the podcast. Just go to the homepage or contact page at charlottereaderspodcast.com and look for the links to email us or leave a voice message. It's easy to do. Let's have some fun together. For all things Charlotte Readers Podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. You can find a list of all episodes, an alphabetical guest list with links, detailed show notes for each episode, a community blog, and more. We'd love to have you visit. You can subscribe to Charlotte Readers Podcast wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. We're on all major podcast platforms. And the best part is, it's free. I'm Landis Wade, and on behalf of my co-host, Hannah LaRue and Sarah Archer, we thank you for listening. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey, readers and writers, this is episode 321 of Charlotte Readers Podcast Beyond 300, and it is 2023. I'm here with co-host Sarah Archer and Hannah LaRue, and we've got a great lineup for this episode. We're going to start today with a seven author feature with seven authors in a marketing support group talking about author platform building, book reviews, and marketing and selling books. We also honor Philip Gerard, who was going to be on the podcast last year, but sadly passed away unexpectedly before our interview. We also have a two-minute tip from Charlotte Lit by Paul Reale. It's uh, titled When to Begin a Scene. It's part of a scene series that uh, we're doing in, uh, in January through Charlotte Lit. And we're going to finish up today with reading recommendations, community and listener engagement, and what's coming in the next episode. Before we do any of that, we're going to uh, check in with ourselves uh, and uh, see uh, what's up with the host. And, uh, you know, I guess we want to bring in all the germs that the baby and the grandbaby are bringing into our lives because, uh, hey, that wouldn't be very... (laughs) fun to talk about so we'll just pretend like that's off stage and you don't have to hear about that but uh so hannah apart from all that uh how's life good it's good i just this is my first week back uh from maternity leave so um that's been it's been a whirlwind because as you just said there's some germs floating around so it's always good timing right (laughs) (laughs) um but other than that it's it's good i'm excited to get back to work and i've got a lot of fun projects going on this spring and uh my baby girl Gwen is she's doing really good she's with her grandparents during the week right now and so that's been kind of fun to see the the pictures from that and she gets to spend some more time with them so um it's good I'm, I'm excited to start reading again too because I think I said on my on our uh end of year episode I've, I've kind of been lacking in that department so I feel like I'm going to have a little bit more time and uh space to get back into that so it's it's good what about you guys that's great well you need to Hannah you need to have your in-laws there create a text stream called Gwen Cam Ooh. and uh, just put because we have Simon right. Cam and so when we're keeping him we'll, we'll text little pictures or little things that he does during the day so that uh, you know Abba and Mama can know what's going yes, on. Yes that's know? like so, I, I love yeah. that I remember you yeah I love that <laughs> Gwen Cam because I'm always like what's she up to right now and literally like at this point she's exactly. three months old so it's like she's she's sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, like, and tell them not to send you the pictures where she's crying. Send the pictures where she's writing uh, her thesis. Exactly, or yeah, exactly. So. It's just yeah. all, all when she's being her smartest self, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Sarah, what's up with you? 
Um, well, I'm happy to be back here after the holidays. I did a bunch of travel for Christmas and New Year's. I was in St. Martin for a little bit, which was really beautiful, and then in Massachusetts to see family. So kind of getting back into the swing of things with work now. Um, I just today had a short story published in a journal called the Barcelona Review. So um, I shared that on my website. And if I remember, I'll put it in our show notes and our newsletter too. But um, I've been getting into doing a little bit more short fiction writing over the past year and just starting to send some stories out. So it's nice to get those coming out into the world. <laughs> and um, also on the 18th of this month, I'm going to be speaking to a group called Writers Beyond Borders, which is hosted by the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library System, but it's on Zoom. So you can join online from anywhere. Um, we're going to talk about screenwriting and have a little bit of Q&A time. It's a really cool group. It's kind of a mix of people in the U.S. and overseas. Um, so it's a nice international group of writers. And um, I'll share the link for that, too. You can register for free through their website. So, yeah, I'm excited to get back into podcasting and writing and 2023 i'm here <laughs> yeah that's great and listeners i've i've been i saw sarah give one of her talks on screenwriting and if so if you're interested in that uh, you might want to check this out because she's got a lot of great information uh to share um well, let's Thank see you. what what's up with me um we had everybody home for christmas uh and we went up to the cabin for a little bit uh and we got to play with the grandchild and stay up all night with him one time and all that's fun and <laughs> had a good time <laughs> and uh I've been I've been working hard and uh with the help of uh you know Sarah and Hannah here to uh get the first book in our uh the right quotes series uh it'll be available for pre-order at uh first February to come out in March and looking forward to that uh and just to sort of let you know a little bit uh, about what's coming there. We've taken uh, the first four years of the podcast and we're putting that uh, into f to eight books and we're letting the authors speak for themselves when it comes to their writing lives and what they like about writing, what they hate about writing and <laughs> how it all makes them feel. And uh, a lot of great stuff in there. And we have uh, my co-host writing forwards for that and I'm writing reflections in each book. So it's going to be a lot of fun. They'll come out on ebooks, and if you're a Patreon subscriber this year, you're going to get uh, all eight books for free. And if you're just yeah, you know, listener, you're going to get the first one free. So that's cool. Uh, but that's kept me busy, and I appreciate uh, uh, my co-host helping me with that. And let's see, uh, yeah, a couple of I, oh, I was honored to be on Mark West's uh, list of twelve books to read by Charlotte authors. He had six uh, uh, fiction, four nonfiction, and two. Uh, children's books, and it was also nice to see a number of writers uh, from the Charlotte area who we've had on the podcast, uh, or who we've talked about on the podcast, who are on that list, uh, like Judy Goldman and Chris Arvidsson and uh, uh, a bunch of others, uh, Joy Calloway, uh, A.J. Hartley, all, you know, so check out uh, Story Charlotte's blog, and you'll see that, and you might find a good book to read, and yeah, um, Hadn't had time, Sarah. Sorry to write uh, some more on the podcast murders, but I'm oh, gonna get back to that. You know, <laughs> it's in the back of my head. I'm still thinking. Yeah, still I'm still thinking, thinking about, about it. it too. We're we're gonna come up with that perfect ending, then write as fast as we can toward it. You know, mm -hmm. so that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, that's what's going on. So uh, tell you what, let's um, we got some great stuff today with uh, uh, these authors that are joining us. So we're going to uh, jump there right after this quick message. We have an affiliation with Libro.fm because you can get audiobooks from them, and when you do, you support independent bookstores. If you'd like to sign up with them for your audiobooks, use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER 
and claim your free audiobook. All right, here we are in Act One, and um, I'm really excited about uh, what we're doing here. It's uh, it's seven authors from a writer support group um, that I was invited to participate in. I met uh, uh, one of the co-leaders of that group, Lainey Cameron, because I had her on the podcast uh, years ago, and um, she wrote an award-winning book, and she, we talked about uh, writers groups, and she told me about this, invited me to come, and yeah, it's been fun. I met a lot of people there, and uh, including the other person who runs it, uh, Charlotte Dune. And then uh, we just had this idea, well, let's just get all these folks in this writer support group um, to give us their thoughts on a number of uh, questions related to uh, to marketing, uh, platform building, book reviews, marketing, and selling books, and also social media. And so we divide, we're going to divide this up into four parts, one part for each question, uh, and in each segment, you're going to hear from all seven of these authors uh, uh, one at a time on these topics, and we'll introduce a few of the authors before we play each of the segments. But before we do any of that, um, we have flipped on its head our elevator pitches for today, and I've asked these authors to put their uh, mouths where their marketing prowess is and give us their elevator pitches to start out so you can hear about uh, the books that they've written. Uh, and so... We're going to play that first, and then we'll come back and we'll introduce the authors, and we will talk more about these interesting topics. Hi, I'm Paulette Stout, author of fast-paced and empowering women's fiction, including my latest release, What We Never Said. Set in the high-stakes world of New York City fashion publishing, What We Never Say has heart, love, and a villain you'll love to hate. Midwest Book Review called it a deftly crafted and memorably compulsive page turner. And in detail, magazine said I tackled the sensitive subject with finesse and great writing. I hope you check it out. It's available everywhere books are sold. I'm Sharon Duquette, the author of No Rules, a memoir. It's a true story, and it begins in 1971 when I was 16 years old. I ran away from home to join the hippies in California. The book follows the next four years of my life, how that period of time changed me, and how I ultimately awakened to feminism and discovered my own strength. This is Rue Sparks talking about The Stars Will Guide Us Back. The Stars Will Guide Us Back is a collection of 13 queer, contemporary science fiction, fantasy, and magical realism shorts. It delves deep into issues of mental health, grief, self-acceptance, and finding confidence. But despite its lofty subjects, one of my reviewers said it best. The stars in the title is hope, and it's through that that we find a new path. Sometimes confidence comes from knowing we have no other choice, and the ones who rescue us come from the strangest places. Jean M. Grant. My book is Seeker, a 14th century Scottish romance, part of a seven-book series about a magical mortar and pestle that brings true love to its holders. Castles, mythical creatures, to everyday adventurers— it is something for everyone. In Seeker, restless archer Elena yearns for a target to prove her worth. But when the mortar and pestle spins its charm upon her and a rival clan's son, winning the yearly tournament might mean the difference between war and peace, as well as risking her heart. The exit strategy is fun feminist fiction. As my debut novel, I'm so proud that it's won 14 awards, including Reader's Favorite and Book of the Year Outstanding Women's Fiction. Rin Brennan is a Silicon Valley investor about to close the deal of her career until she faces her husband's mistress as her key partner across the negotiating table. 
Meanwhile, tech executive Carly can't wait to marry the man of her dreams, but then she meets Ren and discovers he's already married. It's a powerful, uplifting story of how even the smartest and strongest woman can fall victim to manipulation, but we can fight back and find friendship. Kelly Finley presents After Him, a scorching tale with a sexy, tragic hero brought to his knees by a heartbreaking secret. After Him is the angsty, steamy, fast-paced first of a duet featuring a fierce heroine and her tragic hero. Their second chance is worth fighting for. It is a tear-jerking story with blazing hot scenes and dark themes that may be sensitive for some readers. I'm Charlotte Dune, the author of Cactus Friends, A Psychedelic Love Story. In Cactus Friends, A Psychedelic Love Story, Thelma, a struggling photographer, searches for meaning and direction in her life. She's drawn to a group conducting plant medicine ceremonies on a mysterious farm in Florida's southern Everglades. After drinking the mescaline tea, she receives an unusual message and meets a Persian man struggling with kidney failure. Together, they unravel the hidden meaning of Thelma's prophetic visions, a path that leads directly to her past and to her new friend's future. Love the sound. That, that's, that was fun. Um, yeah, so um, thanks to um, all the seven authors for their elevator pitches. I thought they did a good job. What do y'all think? Yeah. Yeah, they're all really good. Yeah. I love uh, Kelly's voice in hers. The, the steamy, like her, <laughs> her voice totally matched the description of her book. It was like perfect. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah, she really the, steam, the steam was, the steam the was steam coming was out, coming right? Yeah. through the recording device, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and they and and look, this is great because people can pick up tips about these pitches too. I like I like the different techniques that everybody used. I like how some incorporated, uh, you know, some of the awards, some incorporated some of the reviews, some incorporated some of the plot. You know, it's just a, a nice way to to hear a little bit about it. So now, uh, listeners, you've got a little bit of knowledge about who you're going to be hearing from, and you've as you've heard, it's a lot of different uh, genres here. But um, hey, it all comes down to. Uh, still trying to sell books. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to introduce uh, two authors before each little segment. Uh, the, the first question is uh, that we ask them is to talk about some of the things they've done to build their author platform and any lessons they've learned. Um, Sarah, perhaps you could tell us about two of the authors that we're hearing from. Yeah, sure. So the first two authors we're going to hear from are um, Charlotte Dune and Lainey Cameron, who are the founders of the Writer Support Group. Charlotte is the author of the Psychedelic Love series, and she's a fiction, romance, and nonfiction, nonfiction writer. She grew up reading science fiction books in a geodesic dome in rural West Virginia. I love that. And she roamed the globe with the U.S. Foreign Service, worked on films in Canada, and now writes and resides in South Florida. Her writing explores self-discovery, love, and exotic locations. She has a passion for travel, reading, throat singing, nature, and enthusiasm theogenic practices. And Lainey Cameron is an award-winning author, a marketing expert, a digital nomad, and host of the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. She's a recovering tech marketing executive, and her first novel, The Exit Strategy, has won 14 book awards and become an Amazon number one bestseller. She's a proud member and volunteer with Women Fiction Writers Association and believes community makes the author's life worthwhile. She's a digital nomad, which means she picks locations around the world to live and write for months at a time. And she's an avid Instagrammer and loves to share her book marketing and travel insights. Yeah, that's great. So uh, if you're wondering where we're going with this, uh, each of these four segments is about nine minutes uh, in length. And uh, after that, um, we'll have a two-minute tip and a little presentation related to Philip Girard. But um, 
for not having a blog post today because we've got all this great content here. So um, first question again, talk about some of the things you've done to build your author platform and any lessons you've learned. Some of the things that I've found helpful as an indie author building my platform is working with the folks in my writer's support group that I started with Lainey Cameron, a best-selling women's fiction author. And in the group, we share a lot of information on social media for authors, building an author platform, and different ways to market the book. Through the group, I've really learned so much, like what should be on my author website, which social media platforms maybe are worth my time and which aren't, and different ways to reach readers that are more unique that we might not think about. Um, but I see a real a real value in these groups because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. The information for being a successful author is out there. And what's even better is a group of people that have already done it and they've already weeded through all the noise and tested different tools and can really share their knowledge with you. So I think the most important thing for authors just starting out is to really find an author mentor and work with that person and, and really like have somebody who can read your work, a critique partner, as well as a group of authors that are also publishing debuts and can support your work. And if you want to find these kinds of networks, um, you can find ours on my website at charlottedune.com slash contact. There's a form that you can fill out to get in the writer's support group. I think Twitter is also a great place, as well as Bookstagram, to find these different communities of authors. I think the hardest thing about book marketing is there are hundreds of potential tactics that you could do and very few that are proven to actually work. I could count them on one hand. BookBub daily deals, having a great author newsletter, maybe Amazon ads. What I've learned is to think about book marketing in three categories. The first is the things that you do for awareness at the high level. The second is social proof. And that's things like reviews where it's not just here is your book, but here is someone saying they read and loved your book. And the third is reasons to act. That's like a sale or meeting the author in a bookstore, a reason to buy it that day as opposed to any other day. What I see is that authors very frequently spend way too much time and energy on awareness and not enough on social proof and reasons to act. And so what I advise other authors, and actually I've been convinced to put a class together about this for 2023 here, is make sure that if you only have limited time and energy, you're spending your money, your energy on that social proof category and on those reasons to act that make someone want to go buy your book now, today, and not just wait until the next time they see it. I've actually found podcasts to be extremely helpful, uh, be it from listening to Charlotte Reader's podcast, where you hear the journey and the experience of other authors across genres. I also really enjoy, as an indie author, listening to ones that talk about more the business side of being an independent author, like the Six Figure Podcast Archive. I also really find it helpful um, that the, the ones that sp specifically focus on my genre of romance, it's nice to hear their experience as well, talking about engagement with their readers, talking about um, the industry and trends. 
And just above all, when it comes to hearing from other writers and authors, you just don't get that experience unless it is from podcast. Just that feeling that you're not alone and also listening to their resources all the way down to the specific techniques that they use or um, platforms that they use. And then the best advice or lesson I've learned is once I perhaps check out something that they suggested on a podcast, my biggest lesson I've learned is, does it actually work for me? Is it financially feasible? Is it productive? And I think that's important when you're on a tight budget and you're just trying to get started and on your feet. There's a lot out there, but what works for you is critical to understand. I live by the three P's in my writing career. They're patience, perseverance, and putting in the time. Just like with my career, I've applied this to my platform building as well. Here are eight things that have helped me. One, create your website. It's never too early and you want to keep it updated and keep profiles online updated as well. Two, build your email list with a newsletter. There are subscriber building websites you can use to grow your list and reader magnets are a great way to build your newsletter list. Three, choose your social media. Where are you putting your efforts? Don't spread yourself too thin, but you do want to address the senses, visually, auditory, reading content, and engage organically. Four, design your brand. What do you want to share? Who are you from taglines to content? Five, learn your target readers. Follow similar authors. Do the research. Who is your audience? Six, and this is my magic weapon, is to support and host other authors. Podcasts, blog posts, shared promos. Other authors are like a secret formula. We have each other's back, plus we're a wealth of knowledge for each other. Join groups online or in person. Seven, if your book's not out yet, go ahead and build up your cred anyway. Get your name out there with magazines, blogs, podcasts, write book reviews, enter contests. And last, eight, don't forget in person. Speaking engagements, book fairs, conferences, libraries, the sky is the limit. Just remember the three P's, patience, perseverance, and putting in the time. Clarifying my author brand and personal goals has really been essential to me building my author platform. It's the filter that I use to evaluate everything from book themes and writing style to my marketing choices and even the color palette that I use for my marketing materials. It all comes back to who I am and why I write. And once you know that, it makes it much easier to make all those really tough decisions about what to do, what not to do, and you can figure out what will advance you closer to your goals. Um, And beyond that, nailing genre expectations has been really essential to the overall success of the platform. Anyone who knows me in the saga of my book cover for my first book knows the power that is getting the book packaging right, the cover description, everything all together. And having that nailed is really um, a bonus for um, the author platform that you're trying to build for yourself. Here's a tip for women building social media followings. You will receive lots of friend requests or follows from men who are scammers. It's easy to spot them once you understand their approach. They post lots of photos of themselves, not much else. They often include photos of them with children, dogs, cars, or in uniform. They may send you a message with a compliment on your appearance. They aren't stalkers and they're not hitting on you. They're pros looking for money who may have hundreds of online identities and they may not even be men. 
Don't waste your time blocking them or replying to them unless they post offensive comments on your content. Ignore them and they will go away on their own when you don't respond. So for one, um, just having the understanding that every author is going to have a different experience and it's going to be based off a combination of your niche and just the current environment as far as publishing and how people are actually um, finding books and reading books. And it's constantly changing. We're n- there's not like one fits all situation. Um, so uh, having that understanding that what works for me or works for someone else may not necessarily be the same. Um, but also having a active community that is pretty diverse. Um, Twitter may be going down the hole now, but uh, a couple of years ago, um, being part of the writing community was basically my lifeline um, on that was based off of just using the hashtag writing community and creating a community out of that. Um, and those people keep me up to date on current trends, what's working, what's not working. Um, just being within a community of people that can give you advice and um, just be uh, visible on what's going on. Um, I know that's a bit of a weird answer, but um, I, there's just really no one size fits all. So having that um, ability to reach out to other people has been invaluable. All right. That's great. I think that's true. There's no one size that fits all, but there are a lot of sizes out there. And Hannah, you know, this as yeah. a, as a marketing person that, um, you know, we're going to take just a few minutes and, uh, try to react to what we just heard. Uh, don't have all time cause we're going to hear some more from Hannah, your thoughts as a publicist. Yeah. I mean, heard. there are so many good nuggets in there. I think, um, a lot of the things that all of these authors are saying is so true and you learn so much on a daily basis it's, you know someone says that everything changes there is not really like something that just remains the same um throughout your journey marketing your books over the years so that's definitely true and the one thing that really stood out to me was the reasons to act um looking at that as like a way to help you guide your marketing ideas and plan because i mean something that i like to tell people is you know when you're marketing anything really is you're trying to kind of solve a problem almost for people it's like okay what is why does this person need this like what does your book give to them do you want to make them feel happy do you want to kind of make them think about their history or like you know whatever um it might be or educate people you know there's all sorts of different stuff so i think like to think about why does someone need to go out and buy your book today Um, that is a really good question to ask yourself. And I don't think a lot of people think about that. Um, and it's just kind of like a, it's a time sensitive. It's something that you can really like, what's, what's the value of now for the reader? Um, so I think that's really great. And also just the idea of how, uh, a superpower is, you know, authors supporting each other. I think that's totally true in so many ways, just like using each other's knowledge, um, expanding your network, uh, you know, make, making new friends. Like there's all sorts of different things. Cause I think, you know, we've talked about on this show, just how being a writer can be kind of lonely, you know, like you are, you're, own boss you're the the brain the mastermind behind the product the work um so i think that's a very you know true and accurate thing as well so i mean so many things honestly that was a great great segment yeah and and before i jump to hannah here just to say you know um had i not been invited to this group and uh, i'm one of the few men there although uh ds davis he's in there too so we're going to 
have him do a blog post for some one of our upcoming episodes because this group of women writers uh, actually lets men come participate mm-hmm. too. And had I not, you know, taken up the invitation and gone to it, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to invite them on this podcast and to hear all the great things that we've heard and that we're going to be hearing. But uh, Sarah, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think those were all great points that Hannah pulled out too. There was so much that was good in here. And I think one thing that also really stuck out to me was the idea of being selective, which one of the authors talked about, um, that there is so much you can do these days to market your books. And there's so much good advice out there from authors. I mean, we're giving tons of good advice right here today in this segment, but you can't do all of it. So it's it's good to be smart about what you pick and choose and decide what's going to be um, economically feasible for you, what's going to be feasible for you time-wise, what's a good fit for your skill set. You know, I've, I've heard some people say, as an author, you need to be on every major social media platform and you need to have a good size following on each of them and be posting actively. And that alone is more than pretty much anyone has time for. So you have to kind of pick and choose where you want to put your, put your work out there and what techniques you want to use to market it. Um, so I guess being, being selective and knowing what works best for you is really a good idea. Yeah. And I always love um, advice that comes in threes. And we had several authors uh, do that uh, with Lainey uh, Cameron offering awareness, social proof, and reason to act. And then uh, Gene Grant uh, talking about patience, uh, perseverance, and uh, putting in the time. She talked about the three Ps of marketing. Well, that reminded me of the five Ps of podcasting, two of which were patience and perseverance, but they also included performance, production, and people. So hey, you get the now you know the five piece of podcast in addition to the three piece of mm-hmm. promotion. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this idea, um, I, I was laughing when uh, Sharon Duckett was talking about, uh, you know, getting all these bots, you know, chasing you on these social yeah. media. Charlotte's podcast is getting a lot of inquiries from uh, <laughs> people all over the world who who, who <laughs> talk about their what they how they want to meet us and cook these tasty meals for us and everything we get a lot of and, listener uh, feedback that's like do you want to try my cbd oil <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yes. so ignore that right get, get going mm-hmm. to the next <laughs> all right well uh before we introduce uh, uh the third and fourth voices here and uh go to the next segment uh, just a quick word about uh our uh patreon channel here If you like what we're doing and would like to help us defray the costs of this podcast, please consider becoming one of our patrons through the Patreon website. For as little as $5 a month, say a coffee or a happy hour drink, you can help us out, and in return, we have a library of exclusive episodes, over 120, that you can access through the Patreon website. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Podcast and join up. You can cancel any time, by the way, and we thank you in advance for whatever you decide to contribute. And don't forget, when you become a patron this year, you're also going to get uh, the entire uh, Right Quotes uh, series, eight books about the first four years of the podcast uh, on all kind of different uh, categories. Uh, we'll have more about that in upcoming episodes in February. But uh, now, um, Hannah, if you don't mind, the uh, third and fourth voices uh, in here uh, are Kelly Finley and Jean Grant. Could you tell yeah, us a little sure. bit about Kelly. that? Yeah, sure. Kelly, Kelly with the, the awesome synopsis for her book, the, the best voice. <laughs> I love this. Her first line of her bio is a rebel with many causes. 
<laughs> I love that. She she fancies, likes hats, black leather, dirty jokes, big hearts, and smart mouths. Thrilled by a flipped gender script and ticked off by women portrayed as weak, she noticed how many steamy, sexy heroines were missing, particularly from the romance pages. Um, her friends shared the same frustration and told her to practice what she has taught of for over 20 years, women who kick ass. She is dedicated to writing books featuring characters we champion and love, ones with shameless heat, brave hearts, and whip smart minds. Wow. Love that. <laughs> Jean Grant has a penchant for misunderstood creatures, be it sharks, microbes, or wounded characters. A scientist by training, she now spends her days as an author, a champion for her children. She draws from her interest in history, science, and outdoors and her family for inspiration. She writes historical and contemporary romance and women's fiction. Two of her books won the um, In Detail 2020 Roan Awards, a na nature enthusiast who adores, uh, adores the national parks. Jean also writes for a family-oriented travel magazines and many websites. If she were stuck on a desert island, her three essentials besides family, food, water, and shelter would be coffee, lip balm, and the rock Dwayne Johnson. Wow. Both of those are like, I love both of these people. <laughs> like, hang out with me. <laughs> hang out with family. Y'all got a standing yes, invitation. Uh, when I'm and you can not going to be spreading germs to you. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. So the next question was, uh, give us an example or two of one of your most uh, enjoyable, creative, unique, or effective marketing events or experiences and uh, how they uh, happened and how you made them happen. Unique marketing things that I've tried uh, and creative efforts. I think the most useful for me has been going on different people's podcasts like this one. I write in a very specific niche. I write fiction, but my fiction deals with plant medicine, psychedelics, and also recovery, creative recovery, recovery from trauma, and also recovery from addiction. So I think finding my niche and really getting in and understanding those communities, being a part of those communities has really helped me. So for me, I go on podcasts that are often about psychedelics or are about recovery, and my readers find me that way. Another thing that I love is I have a Substack. Uh, it's charlottedune.substack.com. And I write one to three posts per week on my Substack, which is an email newsletter. And it goes out to people and they can subscribe. And in addition to subscribing, I can also share it on Twitter or on Instagram and my Instagram stories on these different platforms. And it gives me a chance to write from the heart authentically about subjects that interest me, but are also tied into my book. So for example, I recently wrote about another author's theories on ayahuasca and DMT, and I tied those back into my own fiction, and I shared that with my newsletter subscribers. So I think really as an author, understanding your passions and staying true to your passions is really important. And that helps you become part of the right community where you have readers that are truly interested in your work. I've also done some in-person events um, and writing conferences as well as conferences about psychedelics and events about psychedelics. And so for me, that's been very fun and very rewarding. Ooh, fun marketing uh, tactics that we've tried. Well, I was going to do something really fun before my book, The Exit Strategy, came out. It's a feminist book. It's been called an anthem of a feminist book. And I wanted to put together a book tour, but a little bit differently. Instead of doing bookstores, we were going to do bars. And I was partnering with a friend who is a musical artist, and we were going to offer concerts. And in each, each venue, we were going to bring in 
other local creatives, be it musicians or poets or writers, and really make it a fun night out for women. And unfortunately, that hit right during the beginning of the pandemic. My book came out in 2020. So we did the best we could to turn that into an online venue. I actually had an online launch party with several hundred people. We had live music. We just had a blast. And I think bookstore events, honestly, can be kind of boring. And so if you can think about how to how to hold your event in somewhere that's a more fun space, a brewery, a winery, a bar, think of it as a fun night out for people instead of just it's an opportunity to learn about a book. And I think that makes it so much more enjoyable for everyone. By far, I have really enjoyed a lot of success on TikTok, and I was very reluctant to go in it. I resisted it for a long time. Then I hired a 20-something-year-old film student who is a TikTok expert. She spent the entire day with me, schooling me on the platform. Since then, I've enjoyed so much success connecting with readers. I um, posted some things about looking for new ARC readers, and I had a tremendous success and a complete explosion of demand. And then what was really fulfilling is just the reader engagement that you get on a platform like TikTok, the messaging, the other posts that you see. I'm actually really learning to enjoy it a lot and to embrace it as uh, one, of the, one of the leading platforms, especially in romance. I get to see it come to fruition. Um, and it's a work in progress, but I've been working on my first collaborative series with six other authors. This arose organically. We knew each other and we wanted to talk shop one day. And one thing led to another, and now we're writing this novella series set out to be released in March. So it's seven books linked by a central theme, crossing subgenres of romance. So it's going to appeal to different readers. And I feel like seven heads are way better than one when it comes to marketing. We all bring our own experience, followers, preferred platforms, and creativity to the table. It's like the best kind of group project. So although this is not a specific marketing tactic, it's been creative and enjoyable, and I'm super excited. It got me out of my writing doldrums this year, and I feel energized to keep on keeping on. And sometimes the best marketing tactic is to team up with your fellow authors. We can conquer the world together, one book at a time. Like I said before, other authors are my secret formula. Beyond paid marketing that, you know, authors already know about, I've really focused on building community in author spaces. I volunteer, I'm active in forums answering questions, I organize in-person events for authors to connect. You know, I really love sharing whatever publishing knowledge I have to help others avoid pitfalls and appreciate and um, share in the best practices that I've learned so far in my author career. So having these authentic relationships has been such a blessing to me come lunchtime. You know, all of a sudden I have this army of enthusiastic champions running around promoting my book, and it really shows the power of human connections. Because my book was published during the early days of COVID in June of 2020, I missed the opportunity to meet readers in person the first year and a half. When I finally had a chance to sell my books in person, I discovered how much I enjoyed speaking with people, with readers answering their questions. I love to watch their expressions as I tell them about my memoir and hear their reactions. Some tell me about their own lives and their experiences that were similar. Others ask questions I hadn't thought about before. And some of those questions offer me insights into how my work affects them. Those connections take me to a deeper level in my relationship with readers. I value them immensely. 
So probably the most valuable marketing tool that I found was um, actually just doing a book launch. Now I did one on Zoom um, and I had another author friend kind of be the person who ran the event. Um, I For my first book launch, which actually was the most successful, I actually had multiple authors um, on it and we made it a discussion um and almost an ama where we uh fed off each other and also we because there were multiple authors there was that draw of it's not just my audience it's the audience of the other two authors so we ended up talking about speculative fiction um which uh includes sci-fi and fantasy and the audience for that was a lot more than it was for my uh later book launch um so yeah, just having like a Zoom book launch, making sure that you advertise for it. Um, and I also in- created uh, book bundles that people were able to pre-order. Um, as an artist, I was able to do prints, but there are plenty of other things you could do for a book bundle. Okay, more good stuff there. And I was just thinking as I'm listening, um, when when Lainey's talking about bars and special events, that's like, Hannah, that's your wheelhouse. I know, and right? she was talking about I was like, this is literally what I love talking about so much. Like, I love creative events, and I think that's such a such a smart way to, like, reach the right people. Because, um, you know, we always talk about how it's, I mean, you, it's, you can reach some readers, right? But you don't really know if they're going to be the people that are super interested in what you're writing about, and that's such a great way to do it. I love that. Yeah, well, as you were guiding me through the daily decorations we had the book launch at uh at a brewery and gosh oh it was great yeah so much I wonder, fun i wonder why it must have been certainly wasn't the book it was the captain jack beer we oh were my serving. God. <laughs> and the book you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and the book and then we did an event at a bar too that was fun and uh lots of other things and and of course um i think it was Ruth who mentioned teaming up with other authors and a lot of the events that i did that we put together for daily decorations were partnered events where authors are in conversation with other authors who have books out mm-hmm. that year recently. Um, and I, I've seen a lot more of that um, in, in recent years. Uh, I just think it, it makes sense to draw more people to an event, to have more authors uh, participating. And there's actually an article in the Wall Street Journal recently that somebody pointed out to me about uh, authors talking about uh, how bookstore signings are uh, on mm-hmm. the decrease, um, or at least maybe the signings aren't, but the people that are showing up <laughs> are yeah, on the decrease. Yeah, something interesting you know? that I feel like it's, it'd be kind of good to share is that I've recently, um, I guess last year, I just started asking people, like, why wouldn't you want to go to a book signing at a bookstore? And, like, probably 90% of people, and I probably asked, like, I don't know, a, lot, a good bit of people, and they said because they're afraid it would mean that they had to buy the book. Um, which I mean, you know, and you don't really want to hear that. However, it's kind of interesting because when you think about like, okay, so if you're in a bookstore, like a retailer that sells books and you go and you're one of three people that are there, it's like, of course you're going to be like, you know, I've got to, I've got to spend some money here and it's not going to be the same price as it is on Amazon or like, there's all sorts of reasons that tie into that. But you look at something like, okay, um, I think one of the authors said understanding your community. So, I mean, that's a great way to look at like, okay, understand like look for a group that will want to buy your book, right? So it's like don't just invite readers out, right? The invite the right readers out. So if you if you wrote about addiction, like one of the authors was saying, it's like maybe a recovery center or a 
um, support group or something like that. Those are people who like, you know, that would be directly tied to the subject matter of your book. So it's like you're, you will have a lot of people show up because they do want to buy your book. You know, I don't, it's just kind of a, an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, um, uh, Sarah, I was thinking about you when I heard, um, I think, um, trying to remember who was talking about the, oh yeah, it was Jane talking about the collective, series she's working on with other authors and I was thinking oh well, that's our podcast murders mm-hmm. thing and also the two of you writing forwards for the book and being in the, the book series I'm we're doing on the podcast uh, that's another collaborative thing that's kind of awareness both of them are just kind of awareness but it's also fun right so speak to what uh, you heard Sarah and maybe uh, whether I'm on track there yeah totally I mean I think there was a lot of really smart advice here about that idea of kind of partnering in different ways whether it's partnering with different authors or with maybe a local business like a brewery to do your events or with other communities. I think if you're just targeting kind of book focused communities, whether it's, you know, podcasts, blogs that are about books, um, bookstores for your events, you, you can hit a reader audience that way. But if you can find ways to tie into other subjects, uh, that are relevant to the book. I think the the first author who spoke talked about this a little bit, like maybe there's mental health content in your book or there's cooking or, you know, if you write a book that has a horse in it, you can reach out to equestrian groups, like whatever it might be, like look th- for other things that are in the book where you can reach out to those communities and tap into a whole new audience. And that's also a way to take some of that pressure off. I think like Hannah, you were saying people don't want to go to a bookstore signing because they feel like they have to buy mm-hmm. the book. If it's an event that the book is there and you're there talking about the book, but it's not just a bookstore signing at a book and all about the book, then people might feel like there's less of that pressure. And so they'll show up because there is, you know, alcohol or <laughs> whatever <laughs> other draw there is. Um, and then maybe once they're there, they'll hear about the book and they'll be interested in buying it, but they won't feel as much like, Oh, I have to go to this and buy the book. Yeah. And didn't you tell me, Hannah, didn't you tell me one time that you, when you get a book and you read it for a potential client, that you're, you're kind of, yeah, you're reading the story and you're seeing what's interesting there in the plot and characters, but aren't you also making notes about things about the book that would be good places yeah. that might not have anything to do with the particular characters of the plot? But the, talk about that a second. Yeah, story. that's like pretty much the reason why. I mean, well, I read the books because, of course, like I want to support the author and like understand and see if it's a good fit, but like the whole point is for me to look at angles like that. Like I like to kind of pull out pieces. Like, I mean, your book was super easy to do because it was just filled with things that like totally Charlotte, North Carolina, like historical fiction. I mean, and that's great. Like, I love that. And when people write with some sort of, that's the whole point of like having themes to your story. Right. Or like, what do you want people to be thinking about? Like, is it about mental health or is it about history and the state that you're living in or whatever it might be? Um, just like looking at all of those little things. And I mean, look at, I'm just going to keep using you as an example, Landis, but like the events that you've done is very much, I mean, you've been everywhere. Like you've been at retirement communities, you've been at museums, you've been at bars, you've, you've created drinks that have to do with like, like literally created craft cocktails that go (laughs) with your book, you know? Right. So it's like, but that's amazing. And I think that's the whole, the whole idea here where and like in doing that, you're, you're creating these new new partnerships and everything um that don't feel like 
hard sells, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So I think like what you were saying, Sarah, is like if you're looking like the pressure too of going into a book event, you, you kind of look at bookstore events as like the really salesy marketing pitch, I think. And that's it's like, you know, when you're t- when you're if I'm talking to somebody about online mar- advertising, it's like don't make it a hard pitch like and say, hey, buy my book. And that's not really what you're doing, like per se, like in your speech at a bookstore. But I think that's how it comes across to some to I guess more people than I'd like to admit, but um, so I feel like that's kind of the, the 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 thing when like if I'm reading through a book and I I kind of make a list of like okay what are all the themes that I see who are the characters like what does their journey look like and what are some organizations that kind of fit in with this that isn't going to be just like the typical in you know bookstore event which you know, I'm a sucker for that stuff too. Um, I think most readers probably are. I think it's just, you know, it's definitely going to be a little bit easier to get people out at this point to more creative style events. All right. All good stuff. Well, um, let me tell you a little bit about the two authors that I think are the, uh, fifth and sixth voices you're going to be hearing, uh, in this, uh, collection. Uh, Paula Stout, uh, is the author of the fast, fast paced contemporary women's fiction that she says tackles Social Issues Often Ignored, raised by Single Dad Manhattan. Paulette is the gold star wordsmith and owner of her content marketing agency, Media Goddess, Inc. Love that name. Where she crafts content for her list of global clients. And prior to working there, she had led content design teams at several tech companies and one educational publisher where elimination of the Oxford comma caused a near riot. I'm looking to see if there are enough commas in what I've written here. Paulette's prior career as a media buyer, planner in New York, earned her three industry awards. So good work, uh, Paulette. Uh, also, Sharon Duckett, uh, award-winning uh, author who has a, been a computer programmer, project manager, and deputy director in state government. And in her memoir, No Rules, uh, Sharon writes about her journey of awakening to feminism and discovering her own strength after running away from home to join, as she says, the hippies in 1971. She has recently completed a thriller about when climate corruption and betrayal converge as one woman struggles to find her husband who has disappeared after being arrested while protesting. So question three, uh, talk about some of the steps you've taken to obtain honest book reviews. When it comes to book reviews, I think, again, it goes back to building community, getting the word out there about your book and finding the right readers. It's good to remind people that have read your that have read your book to leave a review. Sometimes people forget, and it's also good to get blurbs or reviews from authors in your genre. And again, podcasts is a great way to find more readers and get more reviews. Because the truth is that the more readers you have, the more reviews you'll have for your books. I think when it comes to reviews, my number one tip is build your community early. For me, I volunteered with Women's Fiction Writers Association, which is the genre that I write in, for several years, well before my book came out. And that helped me meet people in the context of me being helpful to them. And I made friends and I made connections. And, you know, the hardest thing is asking for reviews and also author endorsements. But it's a lot easier if you already know the person, if you have a context that you have interacted with them, whether that's on social media or through an association. Same thing with readers. If you're participating in Facebook groups or other types of social media, it's going to be a lot easier to get reviews when you have a connection with people as opposed to being the stranger emailing from scratch that they've never heard of. 
And I also, I did NetGalley. I reached out in various ways. The thing with NetGalley is you really want to make sure that the expectation is set correctly about the tone of the book. But my number one tip is still build that community so you're not just some random stranger at the point that you're asking for help and support. I don't know if I'm still one of the authors that actually still reads all of their book reviews, but I do, and maybe one day I'll stop. But as an emerging author, I think they're critical. And one of the things I've done is when I see one of those honest book reviews that the the, the feedback is substantive. It's actually something for me to consider then what I've actually done is reached out to a couple of these and they are now my beta readers. I truly value an honest feedback. I have a lot to learn. And so when you see a reader take their time to comment in a meaningful way in a review, in an honest review, I believe in engaging those readers if you can. Maybe not all, especially the negative ones, but the ones that really want to give you good feedback. Getting reviews can be challenging. The more people who know about your book, the more reviews you can get. So if someone read your book, never be afraid to ask for a review. Some things that I've done to get reviews. Um, one is I reach out to people who've enjoyed my books in the past, readers, friends, authors. And so when I have a new release coming out, I let them know and then I can send them an art copy and in turn for an honest review. So I usually start with that core group, then branch out. Uh, book clubs and reader groups. A lot of reader groups on Facebook are really great for getting reviews. There's also specific websites out there that review books. Most of them um, have a fee, but they can be really helpful. I have a street team sign-up page on my website to get new reviewers. I've also done online book tours and I've done review tours. And I'll probably keep saying it, but authors are a great resource. You don't need to spam them all about your new book, but if you already have relationships, it's a great stepping stone for reviews. Having an advanced reader team has been my number one tactic for getting reviews. Unlike some people, I like to get my readers the book months in advance so they have ample time to read and they can begin posting reviews to sites like Goodreads and Barnes and Noble and BookBub where they allow pre-launch reviews. And then I give them step-by-step instructions for how, where, and when to post reviews. I also like to use clean links when I give reviewers links. These are links where the query string has been stripped from the URL. So everything after the question mark, if you look at a URL, has been taken off. And that taking that off and giving them clean links really reduces the likelihood of reviews getting taken down from sites like Amazon. So I also have links in my back matter. I have a page for reviews on my website that I link to from my newsletter and elsewhere. Um, so basically just doing the hard work up front and then continuing the drumbeat afterwards. But most importantly, you really just need to write a good book that people want to review. To get book reviews, you have to ask for them. Most people don't think about writing reviews after reading a book they love. You can put this in your book at the end under an author's note or wherever you list your social media and websites. You can also review books by other authors and post them on your social media. They may return the favor, but this is also an opportunity to mention how important reviews are to authors without directly asking for them. When I'm close to hitting a special number of reviews, I mention it in my newsletter and on social media and I ask readers to help me reach that number. I have also had Instagram book tours where the reviewers would post reviews on places beyond Instagram, such as Goodreads, Amazon, or their own blogs. 
Don't use bookstagrammers that ask for payment, however. You may pay the company running the book tour, but the reviewers get a free physical book in exchange for their honest review. Be aware that the larger number of books you sell, the more likely you are to get worse reviews. Not everyone will love your book, no matter who you are, so don't be discouraged when that happens. So I've actually tried multiple different ways to get honest book reviews. Um, I've participated in write, the writing community has something called Self-Promotion Saturday, and that's basically you promote um, your book on different Twitter threads. Um, and that's usually done okay, but again, there's some issues with uh, where Twitter is going. Um, but, you know, just having a communication. The other thing I've done is having a book tour. Um, and I found that those reviews, um, it depends, I think, on who you have the book tour through, definitely. Um, I think the reviews are good, but I also feel a little bit personally strange, just basically you're paying to have book reviews. Um, although they were honest, to be frank, so that was good. Like, there was a combination somewhere. It was ranged between, like, three and five stars, and some people just didn't even didn't do a star rating. So on one hand, I'm always a little hesitant to do those, but um, the one I actually did end up doing was fairly honest. Um, the other thing I do is I literally just reach out to people. Um, I've gone through YouTube and found people that were kind of in my genre, but also you have to make sure that they accept indie books because I am a self-published author. Um, and that has actually gone pretty well. Um, it's basically just the cost of sending a book or an ebook. All right. We'll start with Sarah this time, Sarah, you got a novel out there in the world and uh, of course it's up online and it gets reviews. Uh, when you were doing this and doing that, uh, does any of this ring true for you or were you a little hesitant to be asking for reviews or what was your thought process? Oh, I was very hesitant, which I know is something that <laughs> if and when I publish other books in the future, I, I I need to be a little bit more aggressive about that. I just, I don't like asking anyone for anything ever. <laughs> so reaching out and asking for reviews, um, it's not something I ever did, but especially hearing the advice from these authors, I it, it kind of hits home how important that is and how it, everyone does it, especially in the indie publishing world. Um, you really have to be aggressive about going out and soliciting reviews and they can be, you know, you're soliciting honest reviews. You're not telling people to say certain things, but you're trying to get them to just go on there and give their ratings and their feedback. Um, and I think that it's helpful to think about maybe what you're giving them in return, like providing the book for free is something you can do that's nice. Or if they're um, people who you already know and interact with on social media, there's a little bit of a relationship there. So you don't feel as much like you're just harassing people and asking them to to give you reviews for nothing. Um, but yeah, I think there's also some really great concrete advice in there about things like self-promotion Saturday or sending clean links. Like I, I would never even think about that. So a lot of really good advice for once you're at that stage in the process. Yeah. Well, you're, you're doing something uh, now and you did it in other ways before, but now that you're podcasting and interviewing authors and supporting other authors, um, you know, that's one of the things. Maybe they'll come back and review your your next novel, right? Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, because really that's how, I mean, uh, I, I had a outpouring of support. I was very grateful for this. Um, having interviewed lots of authors, they were very kind to me when it came time to looking at my book and, uh, and writing reviews. So, um, you know, if you do things like uh, talk about other people's books on your blog or you talk about it on their podcast, uh they're going to come back and support you. Um, it's worked for others. It's worked for Lenny Cameron here. It's uh, It's been helpful to me. 
in in my journey. And uh, and I know you've you probably have this conversation with authors all the time. You say I can't get anybody to review my book. How do I do this? Does any of this ring true? Yeah, for I'm you? always like just ask them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, it's just a difference in person. Like, I feel like for me, I'm always just like, yeah, oh, like go, go get them tiger. And like writers are so different in personality types from me for the most part. I mean, I think, um, cause it, I mean, it is hard though. I think when it comes to your baby too, it's like really difficult, like with your story to be like, can you review this for me, please? And I think it is a really good kind of, I mean, like you're saying right now with the podcast or one of the authors was saying like posting a review on your Facebook page or something like that. Um, it's kind of a discreet like roundabout. You're, you're showing support for somebody else. So ideally they would kind of show support for you too. Um, because I mean, it is hard and I'm also, it's, it's funny, like I'm really an expert at telling other people what to do and not following my own advice. <laughs> I'm always like, just do this, ask for help. Like, and I'm like, I don't ever like to ask for help either. Right. So, I mean, I totally get it, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and I will say this too. I realize it probably seems like, I think one of the authors had said that, um, not, it's it's rare some people just don't write reviews or it's hard to get reviews stuff like that but um there's a whole crew of people that are still on goodreads on a saturday night <laughs> like reviewing books um and i know that because i have quite a few of those people in my group of friends personally who are just like i have one friend who's always posting stuff on their instagram story being like just another saturday night on goodreads leaving reviews on thrillers <laughs> it's like so the people are out there and i think another a good idea is um the author who said that she reach out to people on youtube um or you know tiktok from one of the other uh questions on here today it's like there's a ton of readers on there it's just kind of like i don't know maybe even just starting a conversation versus asking them to write a review and just sort of it's it's all about relationship building so i think that's kind of how you like get to that point in the end where they will just write the review without even asking them you know yeah, when we have these conversations about this, it always reminds me of the story they tell about my dad when he was 15 and he started to try to sell encyclopedias one summer and he walked next door to the neighbor's house with the encyclopedia and when when she opened the door, he said, uh, you don't want to buy any of these encyclopedias, do you? <laughs> that's, I mean, <laughs> so, listen. <laughs> I think that, that's the mentality that I think, so, look, you need, but the thing is, you need to flip that. You need, you need to be, obviously you are proud of what you've accomplished and, and you need to, to wear that on your sleeve, you know, and, uh, the one thing that, um, I think it was Sharon who said it, uh, the more reviews you get, the more honest they're going to be. Yeah. Um, and that's true because when we ran these, uh, book bub deals for my book and, and we got all these reviews online, they still, you know, they hover, you know, pretty between four and five and stuff, but there's some ones and twos and threes and people didn't like, some people didn't like the book. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, some people couldn't get their head around the fact that parts of it were true and they didn't like that. So, you know, it's just different people. And some people, it wasn't their, it wasn't what they were expecting when they got into it. You're going to have that. And it also reminds me of the, um, we had Philip Lewis on the show and I may mention this before, but he, he wrote the Bearfields. And, um, the reason I know this, cause I've been reading all these quotes, right. From collecting this stuff. And he said, uh, when he started getting all these reviews, they were bad. Some of them were bad. And he called his, Publisher, he said, what's going on here? What's going on? He said, Philip, don't read those reviews. These people don't know what they're talking about. And so he said, oh, okay, whatever. And then later, um, you know, he started getting some really good reviews, and he called him up and said, look, they love me. Look at this. And he said, now, Philip, I told you don't read these reviews. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, so, so you never know, right? You, they don't know what they're talking about Goes even when they, uh, they're telling you it's a good book, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I will mention, too, that uh, one of the things Paulette Stout mentioned uh, about the ARC team, we had an advanced reader team for this book, too, and um, I learned some things from her through this support group. I remember her mentioning this about the fact that you could actually leave reviews in advance on some sites. I didn't know that on Goodreads and Barnes and Noble and BookBub, they could go ahead and put up their reviews, whereas Amazon doesn't let you put up a review until the day the book releases. Well, that was new information that came to me. That's really valuable. So I went back and in an email told people, hey, if you already read it, you can go ahead and put them up, you know, here. And and that was helpful to kind of get some things going. And uh, I think, uh, oh, yeah, the thing about the question mark, you know, the reason for getting that clean link, obviously, is because you don't want Amazon thinking that, you know, this is a rigged deal that whoever's that, you know, that they will presume that if the author wrongly sometimes, if, if the author is sending a link, that there's some shenanigans going on. But the fact is, uh, you got to help people figure out, you know, where to go to leave the review. Just make a clean link and make it happen. And also, don't ask for um, a certain star review. Don't ask people to give you five stars or four stars. Three. Just ask for an honest review. And if they say, well, I don't know what to write, and just say, well, you know, what did you think? Did you like the book? That's enough. You know, you can say whatever you want to say and give whatever rating you want to give. But uh, I think some people uh, don't want to give reviews because they think, well, I'm not really a, a a literary genius here. I don't know how to review books. Well, that's not really what it is, right? I mean, we're, you're just leaving your impressions about the book online. So anyway, lots of good stuff. Thank you all for that. And we're going to jump now to the fourth uh, question uh, here. Um, but before we do, uh, the, the last author you've been hearing from and that you hear from in this segment is Rue Sparks. Uh, Sarah, can you tell us about Rue? Yeah, so Rue is an amalgamation of neurosis and nonsense held together by duct tape and sheer stubbornness. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> opening. Um, they're a widow, disabled, and a member of the queer community. They traverse the equally harsh and cathartic landscape where trauma and healing aligned create stories that burrow into the hearts and minds of their readers. In addition to The Stars Will Guide Us Back, Sparks has authored the novella Daylight Chasers and the magical realism mystery novel The Fable of Wren. They volunteer as the communications coordinator at the Women's Library, Gal's Guide to the Galaxy, and as an artist for the indie publisher Lost Boys Press. All right. And the uh, question that we've asked them to finish up with today is, what techniques have they found to be helpful in selling more books? Um, all right. Here we go. Techniques I've helped use to sell more books. Again, I have to go back to podcasts. Every time I go on a podcast, I get a sales book. The other thing that's helped me sell more books is to have genuine connections with people that follow me on social media. So I have an Instagram, Charlotte Dune, and when people like my posts about my book, I message every single person that liked the post and I kind of just start chatting with them, got to know them a little bit. And then I ask them, you know, do you like psychedelic fiction? Because that's what I write. And if they say yes, then I share my book with them. And I find that this is time consuming, but it helps to make genuine fans of my work. And my Substack is another thing that does that. I share the links to my book in every Substack post, and I post about twice a week, every single week. The age old question, what will sell my book? Well, 
what won't sell your book is social media. I strongly believe I just gave a workshop on this at the end of last year that social media is a great way to build community, find beta readers, find your community, build raving fans out of your readers. It is not a place to sell your books. And I think people make a lot uh, that mistake a lot. They think that they should just post a bunch of photos about the book and say, bye, bye, bye. And it's not really effective. Things that do work, your author newsletter, that is a one-on-one connection between you and a potential reader or an existing reader. And unlike social media where they own all the contacts, with a newsletter, you have a direct con- connection. You can build that relationship directly and you're not you know, going to lose them because Instagram decides they're only showing you know, dancing videos because they want to be TikTok now. So that, that would be my number one thing. Make sure you spend your energy on your newsletter, even if your book's not out yet. And then beyond that, I would say really focus on reasons to act. So that third tier of the pyramid of book marketing, if you think about it as awareness, then social proof, then reasons to act, why should someone buy your book now as opposed to next week or next year? And can you give them a reason? There's a sale. There's a special offer. There's something they get now that they won't get if they buy it next week or if they buy it after it comes out, if you're doing a pre-release. So really think about giving them reasons to act now. And of course, featuring those in your newsletter and not being embarrassed to ask for the sale. You put an incredible amount of work into this work of art that is your book, that is your poetry, that is your writing. It's okay to be proud of it and say, I would love if you read this. Feel proud of your work and be okay with that. You don't need to be embarrassed about that. Running ads have been hit or miss for me when it comes to selling books. I think I'm still learning that whole magic and the algorithms. But what I've actually seen real traction on is TikTok posts. I have actually posted on TikTok and seen sales go up that exact same day or the next day with my reads. Another one that I've really enjoyed is connecting with Facebook book clubs and groups, offering free promos and giveaways, and then doing live chats with different Facebook groups. I have enjoyed that so much, and it's been very helpful in my sales. It's very helpful in me creating that base of super fans, as they call them. So, um, you know, I think it's keeping a wider range across all platforms that each one of social media, when you're doing your own marketing as an independent author, each one has their niche, each one has their place and value. And as an author, it's worth it to understand what that value is to you and then how to use that uh, platform accordingly. So that's the magic question, right? How to sell more books. There is no surefire way to sell more books and it can vary among authors between your books, even time of year. So things that I've done, first of all, I want to know my budget, right? Promo is not free. What am I going to spend on my sales and my promotion? If possible, um, always have your book in three formats, ebook, print, and audio. I found this last year that one of my biggest things to help with sales is having bundles, series bundled together. And so for in-person events, I physically bundle my trilogy together and include a free handmade gift, and I sell it all at a lower price. People love a good deal. You can also bundle online. My eBooks are bundled at a lower price. Sales always help with sales <laughs> and BookBub deals with ad stacking is really great. So for a fee, you can advertise your book on a bunch of different email lists or promos. And so the more eyes that see your sale, the better. And one of the other things you could do Facebook and Amazon ads that, you know, that's it takes some time to practice with those. And the last thing I do is promo swaps and newsletter swaps. That's also a great way to encourage more sales. 
you hear it all the time, selling books is harder than writing books. So um, I like to keep an ongoing effort of paid advertising on Facebook and Amazon ads. I do periodic price reductions promoted via my newsletter. And I also like to take a long-term approach to book sales. So it's building that community again, building that newsletter list, using reader magnets like free prequels, sample chapters, and holiday stories that people can get on my free page of my website, and just giving people a risk-free way to enter my universe. And once I build up my backlist, I'll likely use that proven tactic of making a free book one and then relying on the read-through to drive deeper engagement into my series. Amazon ads provide a consistent stream of book sales for me, but not a large number. Then again, I don't spend much on them either. The largest amount of books I've sold was over a week when I had an ebook sale and stacked promotions. This is accomplished by placing your book on sale for either 99 cents or free. I chose 99 cents. A lot of the promotions won't include you if you charge more than that amount. To get a list of these promotions, Google best book promotion emails or articles about how authors made a bestseller list. Nearly all of those new authors reaching that designation use this approach. Then select as many promotional sites with a record of success that you can afford. Apply to be included, and if you're accepted, pay to have them include your book in their daily email. Spread them out over the course of a week. I found a Robin Reed's featured deal to be the best one, but it's becoming harder to get selected. For me, maybe this is because my memoir was selected twice in 2021, the two times I ran sales. BookBub deals are the most successful, but it's difficult to be selected for one, and they're very expensive. My memoir has never been selected for a BookBub deal, but if you do get one, stack your other deals during the same week for even more success. The best sales rank I hit doing the promotional uh, deals was number 2893 of all Kindle books on Amazon. I was also on the top 100 best sellers for memoirs and biographies of women next to authors like Michelle Obama, ranking at number 12, when she was ranking at number 14, they still my heart. After the sale, my ranking dropped, but the after effects boosted me for a couple more weeks. I also received a larger than average number of reviews as a result. Um, so as far as uh, selling more books, um, I would say th it's the same thing for any marketing when it comes to books, which is iteration, 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 depending on your niche. Now, I write queer speculative fiction books, and I also write things that are super character heavy and um, bittersweet, sometimes sad. So it's a very small niche. So what works for me is definitely not going to be working for someone who writes a uh, het romance. So you really have to try different things and be willing to listen to other authors in your niche and see what works for them. Um, but be willing to stop doing something if it's not working. Like I know that seems like fairly obvious, but people get very stuck on, well, so-and-so said this would work and now it's not working for me. So what am I supposed to do? And just feeling like you can experiment and um, try different things has been absolutely um, fantastic for myself. It gives me the freedom to do different things. Um, there is a book 
called Becca Syme called Writer You Need to Quit. And she talks about something called questioning the premise um, in publishing, especially indie publishing and self-publishing. There's a lot of ideas of what you can and cannot do. Um, and she talks about just tearing those walls down of like, just because one author says you should do something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. So always question the premise of what people are telling you and a, whether it makes sense for you and is something that you can do consistently, but also B, is it something that previously has worked within your niche? Um, so yeah, definitely question the premise. Don't take everyone else's word as truth. So I feel, I feel like uh, that some of our listeners who might be thinking about writing their first book, that their heads are about to explode now after everything that, that we've, uh, these great authors have shared with us today. Sarah, uh, how about your head? Was it, uh, was it exploding when you were it's, thinking about marketing yeah, when your first book came out? it's exploding a little bit. It's exploding a little bit right now with all of this advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so yeah. much good stuff here, but I feel like I need to get out a notebook yeah. and start writing down, like, how do I stack these deals and blah, blah, blah. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of good inspiration and good advice here. I think it's also helpful to remember that, that idea of experimenting and um, kind of playing the long game and knowing that, you know, it's good to, to focus on your promotions right around the time when a book is coming out, but it's also going to be out in perpetuity after that. And you have a long time to continue trying to promote it and sell it and um, sell books on your, your backlist once you have new books coming out. So experimenting over time with different types of advertising and different approaches and finding what works for you is good. So um, have patience with yourself and with the process and just keep at it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that totally. And I think it's a huge thing to say to find what works for you, because it's really you can't really say like one tactic doesn't work, period. Right. So like to say social media doesn't work to promote or sell your book, period, isn't really it, it might not for some people, it might for other people. And like with the with the like growth of TikTok and things like that, it's like there's different ways you can kind of do that on social media, I think. Um, it's just kind of finding what works best for you and your audience and figuring out who your audience is, which I feel like has been a big theme today is just like identifying your community, like finding where your readers are and things like that. And um, there really is not like one surefire way to say this is how you sell books. Like this is how you do it. There's like, it's like a very... Um, <laughs> colorful like place there's so many different things that you can do and places you can go and um, I think a lot of these authors have really cracked the codes for themselves especially as um, debut authors or indie authors who have it's like a very and you're doing it all yourself um, it's it's a totally crazy world out there and it's it takes a while just to kind of figure out what works best for you and your brand and your story so um, I think it's really encouraging to hear all of them say all of this and just to know that they've done so much reflection on their own processes because just goes to show you can I mean any writer who's thinking about writing their first book you can totally do it it's just about figuring out where your audience is yeah that's great and which reminds me we'll finish up this segment with uh, a quote that just jumped into my head from uh, Mark Jampol it uh, comes from the eighth book in the series um, which is going to be uh, on uh, publishing paths marketing and social media and uh, uh, he says um you know, only 50% of marketing is ever successful. The problem is you just don't know which 50%. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the age-old yeah. trope from, from the marketing gurus. Uh, so we 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 assured you, we, we did have kind of a disclaimer, but uh, we said that our episodes were going to come in in an hour in 2023, and, and they are, but this one 
not so much because we had so <laughs> much good information we wanted to share uh, that we just we're going to go over here. But but we're going to tell you that after this uh, quick message about how authors can get to be on the show themselves, we're going to come back with a quick uh, tribute to Philip Girard. We've got our two-minute tip and uh, a couple of book recommendations, and we'll be wrapping it up. So uh, stay with us, please. If you are an author who would like to be featured on the show, check out our submission process on the contact page of charlottereaderspodcast.com. Please understand that given the number of submissions we receive, we can't respond to every submission or feature everyone who submits, but with the Beyond 300 format, we are featuring more authors in many different ways. You might be interviewed or provide us some audio content for us to play, or participate in an author or marketing talk, or get a shout out for your publication. One way to be sure to get a mention on the show is to submit a 750-word or less blog post to our community blog on a writing or marketing topic. If it's accepted, we may have you on to discuss the content. Just go to charlottereaderspodcast.com and look for the community blog for details. All right, we're back and I um, wanted to uh, just take a moment to uh, remember Philip Gerard. He was one of the early guests on the podcast uh, uh, he, he actually came to Charlotte when I was doing the podcast in the studio, drove up from Wilmington. Uh, we had a great conversation um, about a book that he'd written uh, that involved the uh, coup in 1898 in North Carolina. Um, just a fabulous writer, um, a, a wonderful teacher, and Sarah's going to share a little bit uh, about Philip here. Yeah, so um, Philip was going to be on the podcast in the fall to share um, one of his new books. So we wanted to still, you know, share that with our listeners. He was the author of 14 books of fiction and nonfiction, including Cape Fear Rising, which um, he talked about on the podcast before, and The Last Battleground, as well as numerous essays and short stories, 11 documentary scripts for public television, and an award-winning radio drama. He appeared on NPR's All Things Considered and Weekend Edition, CNN, C-SPAN, and the History Channel, along with numerous national podcasts. He taught in the Department of Creative Writing at UNC Wilmington and with his wife, Jill Gerard, co-edited the Chautauqua, um, which is a literary journal of Chautauqua Institution in New York. It's a great journal, by the way. I recommend checking it out. And in 2019, he received the North Carolina Award for Literature, which is the highest civilian honor conferred by the state. And the book that we are going to um, talk about with him is called North Carolina in the 1940s, A Decade of Transformation. And this is part of a series that he was doing on um, decades of North Carolina history, which are they're like slim books that are not really textbooks about history. It's more of pulling out um, key events or moments or cultural movements in each decade and profiling the state through the lens of those things. So for the 1940s book, he talked about things like music. I know he was a musician, so he really spotlights the music of um the, of North Carolina in that time period with like John Coltrane and Thelonious Monk and Earl Scruggs. Um, he talked about the polio pandemic and how the state mobilized to address that, which is really interesting to read in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, there were hurricanes and floods that hit the state during that time, obviously response to World War II. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there, both in terms of history and culture, politics. Um, if you know anyone who is a history buff or into just um, North Carolina history, it's a great gift for them. And I believe there's also a book on the 1950s that he, I think, had completed as well, which should be coming out in March. Um, so those are those are really good to check out. Also, obviously, his, his other books like Keep Fear Rising, we certainly recommend. And we also wanted to share a quote from him, um, which we found really profound. He said, I tell my students, you're here to fail. You're here to try things that are hard. You're here to punch through to a different level of expertise. And to do that, you're going to have to try things and fail. And that requires being willing to be embarrassed and have a little humility and a good sense of humor. 
And if you can bring all that to the workshop and you work hard, you will get better. And that's just such great advice for not just writing, but life in general. So we really appreciate that from him. Yeah, thank you, Sarah, for doing that. Um, it's, uh, it was really sad to, to hear that news. Um, he's been a wonderful teacher uh, down at UNC Wilmington for many years, and uh, he's, he was a big part of the writing community and really contributing a lot and still had more in front of him when, uh, when we lost him. But uh, Okay, well, let's, uh, let's jump to uh, today's uh, two-minute tip uh, from uh, – Paul Reale at uh, Charlotte Lit. Uh, this is uh, this part of a four-part series uh, he's doing for the tips in January on uh, scene writing. And the first one here is uh, when to begin a scene. So let's listen in to what Paul has to say. Hi, I'm Paul Reale from Charlotte Lit with a two-minute writing tip for Charlotte Readers Podcast. In the last tip, I talked about the importance of learning to write good scenes. Scenes are the building blocks of stories, novels, memoirs, films, and plays. Today, we begin with a series of two-minute tips about scenes. First, a quick definition. A scene is a part of the story in which the action happens live on the page, that is, is shown. We distinguish this from narrative, which is straight telling. Note that live scenes contain some narrative. They're not just dialogue and action. But the key takeaway here is that a scene is where your readers witness the action as it happens. For today's tip, let's begin literally at the beginning with this question. When should a scene begin? The answer, as late as possible. Many early draft scenes contain a lot of writing your way into the scene, also called throat clearing. This actually makes sense from a process perspective. You, the writer, have to know what happens before your character's current mood and state of their mind, why and how they are there, where the scene takes place, and so on. The best way to learn all this is to write it out. But your reader doesn't need to see you working this all out. They just want to get to the good part, the action. For instance, your character gets up on a Saturday morning, showers, dresses, checks her email and texts, pointedly ignoring her mother's many entreaties, then walks to the diner down the street for breakfast, where she encounters her ex, with whom she broke up two days earlier. You, the writer, might need to walk her through her entire morning ritual, but your reader doesn't. The scene begins in the diner. Use interiority, the point of view character's thoughts and emotions and inner monologue, to get the reader caught up as needed. Now, here's your action step. Write your way into your scenes as much as needed. Clear your throat. But when it's time to edit, look for the place where the reader will be engaged and begin there. This is called in medias res, in the middle of things. That's where most scenes want to begin. For more two-minute tips from Charlotte Lit, listen to Beyond 300 episodes of this podcast or visit charlottelit.org slash tips. All right. Thank you, Paul. A few thoughts here. Um, I know, Hannah, you read a lot or used to before Glenn arrived, and uh, you're going to be getting back yeah. into that. But uh, I'm sure you've been reading books before, and you'll finally get to the exciting part, and you'll say to yourself, well, why didn't they yeah, start Yeah, I know. Here? Exactly. And I feel like I've talked about that before where I'm just like, let's, let's move it. <laughs> like, let's just keep it moving. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, everything he's saying, I love how he speaks about writing in general. I think all of his tips are so good. And when you when it comes to writing a scene as well, I think it is kind of like 
like when you do when you're reflecting and you guys are going to have a lot more insight on this from you know as fiction writers and that kind of thing but when you are like reviewing a scene to just say like okay when is the reader actually going to be engaged with this and how can I make it better Um, because I feel like there is you know in some scenes there's a lot of build up or there's just like and I think it was it Megan Miranda in one of the previous episodes talking about like how you write a really kind of a creepy scene or a thrilling scene and that kind of thing and just like you really have to create the right atmosphere for it. So I feel like when it comes to writing a scene in that sense, it's like there's some buildup, there's, you know, you have to create a mood and that kind of thing. But when is it that the reader is actually engaged with the scene? Like, how do you kind of identify that moment? So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack there for sure. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I think this is such great advice. You know, enter the scene late, leave it early. Um, It's something that... I think we talk about a lot in terms of like the macro level for a whole book where you, you find your beginning and you start at a place in media res, as he mentioned, um, kind of starting with the story in motion. But it's helpful to think about it on the scene level too. each scene that goes by. How can you maybe enter it a little bit later, leave it a little bit earlier? And that just really helps the pacing keep going and keeps people involved. Um, sometimes one thing that I like to do, especially with screenwriting, even more so than fiction, because screenwriting is so tight and you have to be so concise with everything and have to really keep it moving from scene to scene. I always write too long, (laughs) certainly on the first draft of a screenplay. So I have to go back and find places to cut. And so I'll look at my scene by scene outline and ask myself with every scene, what am I accomplishing in this scene? What's actually happening that needs to be communicated to the viewer? And then I'll think about, okay, are there things that are happening in the scene that aren't contributing to that? Is there something, is there a faster way that I can accomplish those same things? So really asking yourself, what's the point of the scene um, can sometimes help you get it down to its its real essence and to the part that's really going to be interesting. Yeah, well, I think um, just to put an exclamation point on this uh, uh, post here, we can refer back to what Elmore Leonard supposedly said uh, when somebody asked him about revising. He said, uh, delete those parts that readers skip. Mm-hmm. You know, So <clears throat> when you're thinking about working your way into a scene, look at it and see, okay, how much of this introduction is something that people are just going to read right over? You know, scanning. Get <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, how many books have you read where, you know, it starts on a cliffhanger and it's really a lot of action and then you learn what you need to... Th- this rule also... Or, this advice, I don't want to call them rules because we've had that discussion before, but this advice also sort of ties into this notion that readers are smarter than you think they are. You know, give us as readers some credit, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, we want to, and sometimes we want to be a little confused, right? We want to maybe be excited, but then wonder, well, what's behind this? And if you get a reader wondering what's behind this opening uh, of your book, then I think you've got something there, right? Then they're going to want to read some more to find out what it is they're wondering about. So great tip there, Paul. Thanks for that. And uh, we're going to um, uh, just quickly hear something about our newsletter, and then we're coming back, uh, and we're going to make some quick book recommendations, and we'll be wrapping up. We have a newsletter called Beyond 300, and we'd love to have you sign up. This is where we share what's coming on the podcast, provide helpful links, and keep you updated on the podcast and the hosts. You can sign up at charlottereaderspodcast.com or the websites of the hosts, leandiswade.com, saraharcherwrites.com, or spellboundpublicrelations.com. And by the way, we won't spam you because that takes way too much time. 
All right, we've got uh, each of us have a recommendation and also Storied Charlotte blog. We'll start with Mark West first. Here's what uh, Mark uh, is recommending. Hello, this is Mark West with the Storied Charlotte blog. My book recommendation today is a collection of related short stories called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash by Gene Shepard. The stories in this collection serve as the basis for the popular holiday film, A Christmas Story. If you've seen the film, you will recognize some of the characters and events that take place in these stories. Like the film, the stories in this collection are poignant, humorous, and nostalgic in a way. If you like the film, you will certainly enjoy the stories in this collection. Thank you. Yeah, I love that uh, movie, The Christmas Story. Watch it every year. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, uh, Sarah, what's your recommendation this week? Yeah, so I have been reading um, The Ink Black Heart by Robert Galbraith, which is a pseudonym for J.K. Rowling. Um, so this is her detective series that she writes. I think this is maybe the fifth book in the series, and it's about this uh, detective team in London, Corman Strike and Robin Ellicott, and each book has a different mysteries or a different mystery. Um, this one revolves around the co-creators of an animated series. It's kind of like a dark comedy series that has a big cult following, and there's some crime that happens and so it kind of in addition to being a detective story it also digs into issues of like online identity and fandom and online culture obviously jk rowling has a lot of personal experience with all that sort of thing um so it's interesting to see her write about all of that i will say i think mystery wise this is probably not my favorite in the series so far but i am enjoying it um it's still a great story i think she just has such an ability to create a really complex world and complex story and keep keep all those balls in the air at the same time and bring them together in an interesting and satisfying way. And there's always like a fun sort of will they, won't they romance between the de- the two lead detectives too um, that continues throughout the series. So I'm enjoying that for sure. Good, good. Uh, Hannah, what do you got this week? <laughs> I feel like I'm like definitely just talking off my coattails right now. <laughs> Because, like, I keep saying, I'm like, I haven't read in, like, three months. <laughs> so, But I was just going to recommend, just because it's becoming a TV series, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. I loved that book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, it was kind of a fun book that I read, I guess, a couple of years ago. First one of hers that I dove into. And it's about, I think it takes place in the 1970s, about a band um, with a female singer. And just kind of, like, tells a story of why they broke up. Um, it's, it's a really good book and it kind of talks about each character from their perspectives and different things like that. And, um, the series comes out, I think it's on Amazon prime in March. So I saw that was coming out and I was just thinking I need to reread it, um, just to get ready for that. So I'm just going to, that's going to be my wreck right now. I'll have some better ones next time, (laughs) more recent. (laughs) That's good. Well, uh, the book I've got uh, to recommend, uh, I listened on Libro.fm about a month ago. It's called The Villa. A novel. Uh, it's uh, by Rachel Hawkins, uh, New York Times bestselling author, and it's it's very interesting. Uh, if you like uh, the Italian countryside, you know, imagine a tragedy taking place in the '70s uh, involving uh, some rock and roll stars and maybe their wives and girlfriends, and a mystery uh, about why this person, this famous rock musician, died there. But there's really two timelines, uh, which is interesting. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun 
mystery um, different than your typical mystery um, because you're dealing with these uh, couple of timelines that kind of come together. Uh, it's kind of inspired by Fleetwood Mac, the Manson murders, and the uh, infamous summer Percy and Mary Shelley spent with Lord Byron at uh, Lake Geneva Castle, the bir- birthplace of Frankenstein. So, um, yeah, all good stuff. It, uh, it's got this sort of weird presence to it throughout the book and uh and it's also one of the, the one of the protagonists is a writer and so you, you know, that brings some uh, interesting things into the story and there's a missing manuscript and i'm not gonna tell you what happens to it or whether it comes to light or not because you ought to listen to the book to read it so that's that um so good good stuff to to read um uh, sarah i think you had a couple of writing community news here yeah yeah so i interviewed jay ward the other day for the podcast and that is going to be coming out in one of our february episodes but he also um, mentioned some community events that are happening prior to then so we, we wanted to make sure to share them with you this month um so on february 1st the harvey b gantt center is going to host an exhibit called black charlotte featuring the work of some of charlotte's best spoken word po- poets exploring the history of black charlotte and it's a living exhibit so that means that there's the actual event there on the first but then um the poets involved are also going to take their work out the community and share in other ways to help teach people about history. So that's really cool. And then he also this year is hosting a laureate workshop series, um, which is going to run once monthly from January to September at the University Regional Library in University City. It starts out on January 21st. The library is going to feature a poetry workshop at 1 p.m. with Jackie Shelton Green, who is, you know, our North Carolina poet laureate. Um, And then after that, there's going to be two hours of office hours with Jay, who's going to be there. You can bring your work if you want him to, to read it. If you want to just show up and chat about poetry or whatever, he's going to be kind of there to, to talk to people in the community, which is awesome. And also that day um, on the 21st, Jackie is going to be giving a reading at the Urban Reader Bookstore in Charlotte. Yeah, I've been to that bookstore over in the university area. So it's, 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 a, it's a great store. Um, all right, before Sarah tells us what's coming next, uh, this is where you can find us on social media. Charlotte Readers Podcast is on social media, and we'd love to have you follow and engage with us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Charlotte Readers Podcast. Check us out. All right, Sarah, uh, in your wonderful podcast voice, can you tell us uh, what's going to be coming up in episode 322? Yeah, so next time we're going to feature author Mimi Herman and her novel The Kudzu Queen, which uh, Jackie Shelton Green calls absorbing, nuanced, and as layered as the characters who inhabit it. New York Times bestselling novelist Lee Smith also says the novel has the most appealing young heroine since Scout. This book demands to be a movie. Um, I really enjoyed reading her book and talking to her, so make sure you catch that one. And we're also going to feature Mary Salisbury, author of Side Effects of Wanting, with her blog post, How the Love of Reading Can Lead to Publication. And of course, we're going to have another great Charlotte Lit two-minute tip and elevator pitches and book recommendations. All right. Well, uh, thank you for uh, hanging with us if you're still here. Um, And uh, appreciate you listening. So until next time, uh, read on and write on.